Welcome to the Humanity First podcast. I am Chris Ryan, along with uh, Peter Evers, uh, who is going to introduce our guest for today's podcast. Before we get into things, what's a, kind of an upshot as to how things are right now at uh, Bamsey's winter into uh, the fall? Obviously, you know some changes out there in regard to the Delta variant. Um, the vaccination rate remains very high in Massachusetts, about seventy-five uh, percent. But uh, any changes here at uh, Bamsey as we uh, address COVID? Not really. I think we've had a... Hi, Chris. <laughs> Peter. I'm not sure I introduced him. That's Peter Evers, the CEO of uh, Bamsey. No, no you ahead, did. Peter. I just didn't say hello to you. Oh, okay. um, I, think, um, I think slow and steady progress would probably describe where we're at in terms of the... Of course, the big issue is um, the percentage of our... Uh, folks that are, are getting vaccinated and and does that fit with uh, what we're doing in our communities and are we doing all that we can to persuade people which is all we have at the moment uh, that they that they need to be vaccinated and it goes back to that whole question about you know the individual choice but also the community choice and when we talk about public health we're talking about the health of our staff members and the people that we serve, and that's the most important thing. So continuing to push that I, is, uh, is, is the way to go. We haven't had any uh, mandates from the state, uh, although, of course, in the last week we have had news of the federal, from the federal government around which is going to affect 100 million people. Uh, and there are uh, plenty of employers that are making mm-hmm. the decision to mandate vaccinations uh, in the healthcare business, but not just healthcare. Actually, I was reading about other organizations that have just taken the decision. Uh, we're not there yet. Um, I don't know whether we'll get there. We'll, I think we just have to wait and see um, and see how well we do with our ability to persuade people that this is the right thing to do. What is your understanding about what the federal mandate would mean? Because BAMSI would obviously fall under that category as um, it is for uh, any employer that has 100-plus employees. Um, but there still, to my knowledge, has not been a lot of definition as to what that's going to mean. How uh, Basically, what we do know is that uh, the vaccine or a weekly test is going to be required uh, under this OSHA standard through the labor department but how the testing would take place who would um you know be responsible for the cost and all of that is still to be determined so is there any idea as to what it's going to look like and how it you would go about implementing it here well it looks like that anyway uh, which is actually the conversation that we had before that 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 is the that is the uh, direction that the state have have given us, uh, which was probably about three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that all of our staff, uh, regardless of their vaccine status, would have to be tested weekly. Okay. And, you know, we've been worrying about breakthrough uh, um, and we've been worrying about, um, you know, making sure that we contain the Delta variant, which is, you know, four or five times more virulent than the than the original COVID. Um, so I don't, I, that, that's the lane we're in right mm-hmm. now. Uh, so we'll see. Um, uh, I, again, I, I think it's just a question of us reacting to what comes down from the government. I will say, though, that I'm really proud of the efforts that this organization has made to protect people. Because at the end of the day, the real measure is how many people um, 
that we're keeping safe um, through all of our protocols of wearing masks, wearing, you know, uh, PPE and encouraging people to get vaccinated. But look at the statistics. We are keeping people safe. People are, are for the most part, uh, not um, getting sick, seriously sick from the COVID virus at our organization. I'm very proud of that. Just out of a general curiosity before we have you introduce our guest, what does the, the testing infrastructure look like? And how does an organization mm-hmm. such as this go about uh, doing weekly testing? And is that a cost that is absorbed by BAMSI? Is it a cost that's absorbed initially and then there is um, money that comes in to uh, repay you? How does it work? We don't pay for the testing. The testing is provided by the state and it's a company called Color. And uh, But I will say that the cost of staff time and management time and program manager time to actually administer those and to follow them and to make sure that people are doing them is enormous. It is a massive burden on not only the direct uh, service professionals but the people who supervise those and all through the agency and people are doing a wonderful job with that but yes it is not a cost that we incur to to do the tests but it's a cost that we incur in 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 actually making sure that they're done and then following them I didn't, uh, why don't you introduce uh, today's guest? Yeah, actually, uh, today's de- guest is somebody that can talk much more intelligently than I can about that because we have with us uh, Jill, Jill Connon, who is our Community Living and Day Services uh, Executive Vice President. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Great to have you. I, um, I don't know if you just wanted to opine on that. You've been listening to what I've been saying, but um, just in terms of the, um, of the workload that that's put on people, it's been really significant, hasn't it? It has, um, and you know, there's, you know, about three weeks ago, four weeks ago is when they made the the shift um, of asking everyone to be vaccinated, to be uh, tested, surveillance testing once a week, regardless of vaccination status, and so um, collectively. the, the programs I oversee, along with Bev, um, is about 90 group homes, um, and so that, that's quite a few surveillance tests that need to be administered and sent out and looked at, and then obviously, depending on the results, we may need to retest if you know because they need to be processed um, in a timely manner. So we may need to retest, um, but it is very time-consuming. Um, but it allows us to identify if, if there is any um, positives and take immediate action. So there is there is positives and good reasons to do it, but it is a, a lot of work. Yeah, as if it wasn't enough to do in uh, in this day and age. And you know, I suppose that's a it's a really relevant time to have this conversation about the importance of the people who do the work uh, here at Bamsey because it is actually direct service professionals week, um, which is a, in my opinion, should be every week because I believe that the people who provide direct care and the nursing are the, are the engine room of this organization. They, they keep BAMSI going uh, and couldn't be more so um, demonstrated over this last year. Um, it's a time to celebrate. Um, so what's going on? What's going on with Direct Service Professionals Week this week in terms of our efforts to recognize those folks? Yeah. So it's Direct Support Professionals Week, um, and it's from the, the 12th through the 18th. Um, so we're in the, in the middle of it, and it's it's been great. Um, you kicked off the week, Peter, with a, a nice um, recognition. 
and uh, the end of last week, a whole bunch of us assembled about 115 large baskets filled with goodies for um, our direct care workers. Um, we ordered T-shirts with um, a nice heart on it, um, celebrating the, the week, um, a lot of goodies. Um, and so they were being delivered uh, this week. And so every, every residential home, every day have, the clubhouse, everyone should have received that, hopefully by now, if not later on this afternoon, likely. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's, you know, they do wonderful work every single day. Um, it's, a, it's a role that people have so many hats. Um, you know, they, they support someone with activities of daily living, the, the bathing, the feeding, um, all of that. Um, they, they help people um, develop relationships in the community. Um, they bring smiles and joy and laughter into the home. So they do, they do it all. And you're right that we probably don't recognize and celebrate their contributions enough. So this is a great, great week to really, um, you know, recognize and put the spotlight on them. I was looking at a, a study recently about um, workforce issues in nursing and also included that was was direct care staff and uh, there's been during the pandemic a a steady um, decline in the amount of individuals that are in those fields and wanting to be in those fields and it's a bit of problem trying to fill those uh, those positions and pay was one of the reasons that um, there was this uh, amount of people leaving the field but the biggest one was they felt a lack of appreciation and they felt there was a lack of appreciation for uh, for their work, what they've endured, um, and kind of a burnout as well from uh, not feeling appreciated and kind of putting their head to the um, you know to grindstone each day. Uh, so, how important is that type of a measure that you guys did this this week? And how do you kind of sustain that level of appreciation so that people, particularly if they're working on an individualized type of basis at a home where they don't have a lot of um, communication, perhaps with others, that they do feel that they're appreciated? Yeah, I, I don't know if this is the same report that you were referencing, but um, Relias and Anchor um, put out a, a survey recently, um, and the report says that. Um, nationally, the attrition rate is 43% um, for um, DSPs. So that's a high rate, and um, obviously there's, you know, there's a staffing crisis in probably every single industry these days. True. Um, but we are feeling it a lot, and it's something um, that we are constantly looking at. Um, we uh, are looking at our vacancy rates um, in Plymouth, which is one of the highest areas um, it's about a 28% vacancy rate for our DSPs. It's actually a little higher for our nursing. So not only do we need to be competitive with similar providers, but we're needing to be competitive with other providers or other industries yep. as well. Um, so I think what we've done, um, you know, is, is obviously celebrating uh, their, their achievements and trying to do more with um, recognition on an ongoing basis, and that's something I think Ramsey has responded well to, but also recognizing that um, a lot of folks in this role want to grow into providing more opportunities, um, whether it's tuition reimbursement, tuition remission. Um, we develop partnerships with Southern New Hampshire University 
and uh, UMass Lowell where people can get a, a, a discount in tuition. So I think all of these activities and initiatives combined is really looking at um, what is it our DSPs are asking for and responding to that so that they can have some longevity here. And we have. I mean, this this month we're also recognizing longevity. Mm-hmm. There's quite a few people who've been here for 25 years. So we're, we're seeing both ends of this, mm-hmm. but it's always looking at why people want to stay. Yeah, and I think it's. I, I think you make a good point because there are some people um, who are just made for this job. You know, who love the work, and they want to do this job for a long time. And and we absolutely encourage that as well. But there are other people who see this as the beginning of a career. And so we, as an as a preferred employer, really have to be in a position to recognize both of those and how important both of those are. And I, I think about it as this is a, the this is the relationship between an employer and an employee that it that it benefits everybody um, and oftentimes people feel like well you know it's only benefiting the employer and that's why people leave that's why they feel underappreciated and you know our most precious resource are our direct support professionals and we have to recognize that and we and not just talk about it but do some of those things like uh, increase pay uh, in an environment where you know it's difficult to do, but do the difficult thing uh, and make sure that people feel uh, recognized. Allow people to make some decisions on their own and give them some autonomy and keep pushing this idea of learning and continually growing uh, and seeing this organization as an organization where people can be, where people can grow, spend a part of their life, really, because that's what people are doing. When you look at the long service awards, people who have been here for 20 and 30 years and have become synonymous with the organization. And that's our goal. Our goal has to be to be the place where people go, where people say, I know that organization and I know they do right by people. And when we don't, making sure that we recognize we don't and put that right. This is the Humanity First Podcast. I am Chris Ryan. And with Peter Evers, special guest is Jill Conlon. I want to expand a little bit more on the uh, the pay side of things because, as I mentioned, that is a piece here, um, the puzzle, and I think that Jill really touched upon the other pieces well. Um, how does the, the pay structure and the increase in the hourly wage, how does that play with other, quote-unquote, competitors uh, in, the, uh, in the vicinity of, of BAMSI? Well, it's funny you should ask me that, Chris. Or were you asking Jill? I'm not sure. Uh, it was a generalized question. <laughs> um, actually, I was on the on a call this morning with a um, uh, with another agency. I won't say who it was. Um, who asked that very question? How could you do that? Why did you do that? We wouldn't be able to do that because our board wouldn't let us do that because that's a financial risk, and we have fiduciary responsibilities. Um, and I said, I don't. The, the, You've always got to think about what what if we do nothing? And we were in a position where we were, you know, circling the drain. And, and that, there's always a point where you get to a point where people say, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the only one left here. <laughs> and, and, and they leave. So we had, to, we had to do something bold. We had to make a statement. Um, but I think most of the people I've spoken to, and, and Jill, I'll ask you this, have just said, oh, we, we wouldn't, our board wouldn't allow us to do that. And I'm very proud of our board who just said, you know, that's risky, uh, but 
but if we don't do anything, it's more risky. Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree. Um, you know, we're, we're paying everyone at least $17 an hour. And, um, I mean, all of this was also listening to the workforce and responding. Um, you know, there was uh, concerns of, I've been here for 10 years, and a new person walks in, we're making the same salary. So we built in some increases based on um, length of stay. Which is so important because a lot of times pushback in an organization will come when you say, well, for our new workers, we're going to do this. Remember during the presidential campaign, they were talking about, you know, student loan debt forgiveness. And there's the guy who walked up to Elizabeth Warren and said, hey, guess what? I paid off. I didn't get a boat. My neighbor got a boat, and he has student loan debt, and I paid off all my kids' college. So how is that fair? Mm -hmm. And a lot of that exists within a company. So I think that that piece is really important that it's not just taking care of the new workers. It's taking care of all of the workers. Right, right. Um, So, yes, after orientation, folks get a bump up. We also recognize that um, MAP is a lot. Um, the Med Administration Program takes a lot to pass that, and it's a special skill set, and it's a lot of training, and and uh, recognizing that you know there's a, that's worth compensation. So we're paying people extra for that certification. So all these things were in response to what the workforce asked for. Um, so I think we did right by them, and it was a it was a lot of work, and it's a lot of money, but it is a gamble. But I think it will pay off, I and mean, we've already seen an increase in the um, number of people starting um, onboarding every week. So yeah, definitely. But some wise soul once said to me, "If you if you solve your attention problem, you solve your recruitment problem." To your point. Chris, and we have to continually invest in that relationship. You know, and I think about that that term, you know, we we care about our employees past, their present and their future. And we're we're in it for the long haul. Um, and I was I always make this point that the gig economy I think is the biggest ripoff ever because you know these organizations that we're competing with now, like your Amazons and, and whatever. You know, they aren't interested in somebody's future and Uber, whoever. They're interested in what you can do now, and that is the relationship. In fact, I read last week that people who work at Amazon now get fired by email. And I thought, wow, that is the, that is the absolute embodiment of how little they care about peop- the people behind their hands. And in a way, our, our promise is that we'll care about the whole of you will care about you taking vacation because it's good for you to do that um, and and your health insurance and you come with us and this is what we offer you and we recognize the value of what you offer us and that really is that's the deal that we're talking about the one of the initial gig economies is the hospitality industry particularly restaurants and um, yeah I often think about this where you never see 60, 55, 60-year-old bartenders. Where do they go? And that's the, that is the aspect of the, um, you know, of a of an unsustainable economy where you, if you want to have a workforce that is going to continue, um, that is going to be a part of your organization, I think it is so important that you invest in them from start to finish. And it is much easier, as you're mentioning before, to retain a workforce as opposed to recruit a a workforce. It's more time-consuming. It's more costly. 
um, and it doesn't help to build a sense of community. So I think that the retention piece, as you're mentioning, is is really unique and, and really important. Jill, thank you so much. Thank you, Peter, as well. And uh, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the Humanity First podcast for Jill Conlon and Peter Evers. I am Chris Ryan. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.